along. Maybe you can hum the theme song. Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, question we ask is still the same. Feel the treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome to this podcast, which is Is This Still Good? I'm Gavin Murray, and with me today, I have my co-host. That's that. That's me. I'm I'm Sage. <laughs> and today we also have a guest. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. Yes, my name is Samantha Desura. I am from Pasadena, California. Um, I'm happy to be part of this podcast. I do not usually talk like this, but because Gavin started it off so strong, I have to. Um, I think match that level of energy. So um, with that said, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here and bringing that energy. What else did you bring today? I have brought to this podcast, is it still good? Um, the Brave Little Toaster, made 1987. Oh, wow. And dated and everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. So is it still good? <laughs> I grew up with the Brave Little Toaster. But Sam, when did when did the Brave Little Toaster enter your life? Oh my gosh. So, um, I actually just know, I don't know the specific day, but I will say that the, bra- I, we, there's always was, there's always was just a cassette, a VHS of the brave little toaster in our house. So I don't remember the first time I watched it, just that I loved it so much and was so scared by it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> when I first watched it, but it, it taught me a lot. It taught me about mortality. Mortality. Such a young age learning about that. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people tend to be scared by, by the clown part, but that was one of the parts that I don't even remember from the film. Um, when I watched it back, I was like, Oh my God, there's this clown part in it. Truly terrifying and, and stayed with me for sure. But- <laughs> I like the idea that this is, you can use this VHS, uh, which is how I consumed it as well, as a parenting technique. You know, it's like when like your puppy passes away, you know, instead of putting on all dogs go to heaven, you just show them the brave little toaster to try and uh, get them to understand mortality and yeah. life of service, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. It's, I re- it's really just pl- like... Putting on the worthless scene, and then there that that's exactly you want to learn about life, you watch worthless, you read the lyrics while you're watching it now, the connected tissue between all dogs go to heaven and brave little toaster is that both dogs and toasters have masters. is that correct that's not incorrect uh we we can we can we can go down that line well so sage did you you did you grow up with this? I think that this is a movie that I've been aware of, but I have definitely never seen it. What a sad childhood. Oh, I'm so sorry. So when did you first learn about The Brave Little Toaster? Uh, when did I first start thinking about it? When you pitched it to Gavin to talk <gasps> about Wow. Oh. No, I so- definitely never heard of this movie or its two direct-to-VHS sequels. <gasps> I actually have not heard of the VHS sequels either, either. Yeah, so I, I mean, if that... I knew there was a movie where the toaster goes to Mars, I would have <laughs> seen it. That's definitely one I remember watching somewhat as a kid, but it didn't stick with me or get the the play count that the original did. Um, 
So Sage, as our newest addition to the people who have seen The Brave Little Toaster in their lifetimes, would you care to describe it in a succinct manner? Uh, yeah, sure. I think I'm, I'm mildly prepped for this one. All right. So, uh, that's, that's all I ever hoped for. Yeah. So it's 12th century Scotland and Merida is a princess uh, who's really good at archery and horse riding. Oh, uh, what? Oh, nothing. Hey, you're doing great, man. <laughs> all right. So, but the twist is that she's a female and doesn't get the respect that someone of her status or just a general person should. She gets in fights with her parents, so, the king and queen of Scotland, all the yeah. time. Um, she gets in an argument hey, with man. her mom <laughs> and runs off to find a witch. Yeah. And she's like, hey, can you help change my mother? And the witch bakes a cake and the mom yeah. eats the cake and twists. So I the haven't mom's a bear. Seen it, but I think you're describing Pixar's Brave. Why? What are you talking about? All right. Um,. There oh, was toaster this movie. story. Yeah, dude, you were so you were so close. <laughs> like, I that's really awesome that you spent this entire time doing um doing research on Brave. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There were just two other um words that you forgot. The little toaster at the end. So um, but really so close. Great job. I love your synopsis. Like, really cool, why, man. Why would they make a movie about a toaster? Oh man. Well, let's get into it. Jokes aside, did you watch the Brave Little Toaster Sage? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I watched it yesterday. Okay, I'm actually good. over at uh, I'm staying at uh, my friend's Campbell's house, and I only drop his name because he was our our guest and guide through the Treasure Planet episode. So he had a lot to say about the animation and some of the history behind it. <laughs> uh, I've retained about ten percent of it, so we'll see how how much that that matters. Okay. Do you, do you need me to actually recap Brave Little yeah, Toaster? Yeah, you know, I, well, let's continue that tradition of the person who watched, you know, Brave most recently uh, describing the movie that we were actually talking about today. All right, so Woody is a six-inch toy sheriff. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, so the plot of the toy stories are so omnipresent and just ubiquitous that it's just it's just that with appliances. <laughs> Yeah, except for this came first, so credit where credit's due. Yes, yeah. Um, and, this is this is basically yeah. homeward ba- homeward bound with uh, a toaster, a radio, a lamp, and a vacuum cleaner. Am I forgetting anybody? Oh, that's a lot. That's radio, much lamp. More oh, blanket. You're forgetting. Oh, the blanket. blanket. Yeah, My God. you can't forget blanket. The the most empathetic of the of the group. Oh, so sweet and, and the least forgettable. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, what you've got is, yeah, Homeward Bound, which is another movie that I'm assuming... Did everyone watch Homeward Bound? Love, love Homeward Bound. I'm a big sassy fan. <laughs> Sage. But that's... I, well, again, I'm not entirely certain. I've definitely read... Homeward Bound and Incredible Journey are the same basic thing, right? I can't tell you which one's which. It's like A Dog and a And We Three by Grant Morrison. <laughs> it's all the same story. <laughs> okay. I actually, so, Gavin, what's Brave Little Toaster okay. about? <laughs> go ahead, Gavin. No, Sam, Sam go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. I actually um, missed uh, what the what that last part was, so I didn't contribute because I didn't know. I would kept thinking of what was that Golden Retriever's name, and then I missed everything that Sage <laughs> said. And then I and – then And then there was a, a, a pause in talking, and I was like, oh, I fucked up. No, no, you're golden, and there's there's nothing in a rule that in the rules that says a ta- toaster can't play basketball. 
But yes. If so, you had asked me a third time, I would have gone through the plot of AirPods. <laughs> oh, God. Well, so anyway, um, I'll, I guess I'll intro the series really quick. Um, That's a much better idea. Great, great. The Brave Little Toaster follows a toaster, a blanket, a light or lamp, and a radio and a vacuum cleaner who like live in the summer house and do chores that the child who who would go there on summer vacations was supposed to do uh, because they care about him and refer to him as the master. Um, after him not coming back for an elongated amount of time, they decide they must set out on a journey to uh, reconnect with their master and, and give him, you know, their life's purpose, which is comfort and ease. Um, but as they set out to do so, it turns out the master, who's now old enough to go off to college, has at that same moment gone back to the cabin to collect these uh, appliances and take them to college with him. Through this comedy of errors, they find themselves in multiple mortal danger, really. The world is just a cruel, cruel place, but musical as well. And thankfully, um, after just risking their lives over and over again. They're reconnected with their master, uh, but not before the toaster sacrifices itself into disfiguration and possible death. Um, but the master cares so much about his appliances that he collects them, repairs them and brings them off to college where presumably they live happily ever after and then go to Mars in a sequel. Just like Airbud. Thank you so much, Gavin, for th- recapping that. Sounds correct to me. I, th- I think that's a good e- exemplar of it. I think my love of horror films started with The Brave Little Toaster just because there are so many horrific, terrible, awful things that happen in this children's film. I mean, I I feel so bad for kids right now because they didn't have the movies that we had that were hard to watch. I mean, these movies had me fucked up. We went from Bambi (laughs) to Brave Little Toaster. I'm like, whoa! If my parents didn't die, am I living? Anyways. We also had Goosebumps on television. Oh, uh, I know. Are you afraid of the dark? It was a much more frightening time. Yes. I so Sage, I know that you wanna you wanna just talk endlessly about Toy Story. Um and I think this is a good place to like talk about how so this was also a John Lasseter who's you know, was one of the higher ups at Pixar for a long time. Uh then a bunch of stuff came out about how he was very creepy. We can make it easy and just talk about John Lasseter nineteen eighty five <laughs> to two thousand eighteen. <laughs> um I mean, and he's still going. I think he's at Netflix now. Well, I guess all these stuff were happening. <laughs> yes. But it is it is interesting to look at how many of the people on this movie would go on to work. Because they, they were all ex-Disney or pre-Disney people. So much of these people went on to make the movies that felt safer. Um, and part of what you might talk about is that this was financed by Disney, but wasn't a Disney film. So they had the freedom to talk about mortality and bring about like an evil fucking terrifying firefighting clown <laughs> who shoots a river of forks at a toaster before dropping it into a, a bathtub uh, to be electrocuted to death. There's some like truly horrifying and 
sad visions. And that's my, kind of my favorite parts of this movie are when it goes into these dream sequences mm-hmm. that it gives to the toaster um, early on the blanket. I don't know if like for me watching that first scene where, you know, the, the radio and the lamp are always at each other's throats, but they put everything aside to give blanket a, a lift up to the attic when he thinks he hears a car and goes up to spy out the little window and sees this car that morphs into a taxi that goes down this beautiful manicured hedgerow that has replaced the forest that they're in. And then these creepy silhouetted humans who are driving this taxi let out this small technicolor child who bounds up this like magnificent gaudy staircase into the arms of this blanket only for the blanket to be snapped out of, uh, it's daydream as the lamp and radio just look at each other, listening to this blanket cry because once again, the master has not come home just like he has every day for like the last forever. It feels like it's the abandonment's real. (laughs) Oh my gosh. By the time you finish this film, do you have a sense of how long that timeline actually is? You know, it is unclear to me that if it was just one year... Give me your guess. I would guess at most, like, four years. For the whole film? Oh, that they've been there alone by themselves? Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like four years and two days for the film. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, but that went by bad. Yeah, I I don't know. Because I'm also confused as to why, like, the parents would stop going there over the summer. But maybe the kid just had other things to do over summer. Quite possibly. He just grew, they just grew out of going. It's so interesting because when they travel from the apartment in the city to the cabin, it seems like it takes them maybe 20 minutes round trip. (laughs) So I'm like, why do they even own a cabin? That's right. You should be selling that fucking cabin because why is it so close to your apartment? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's also one aspect of that that confuses me too is very good point. (laughs) <laughs> when you go to the to to his parents' house and you meet, you know, the off-screen mom, uh played by the, Mindy Sterling from <laughs> Groundlings, by the way. Wow, okay, nice shout out. But all the appliances in the new house also only want to be touched by the master. No one gives a shit about his parents. They all want to go off to college. None of them want to stay in this house where they are used actively, you'd assume. So it's a very strange and like the uh the AC, which was something that definitely stuck with me as a child is this snarky air conditioner making fun of all these low voltage or low wattage uh, creatures that care about the master's touch and a played by Phil Hartman from Groundlings, who just haunts me. Like the way he just explodes. You you keep saying groundlings. What are these groundlings? (laughs) Sorry. Um, I do want to go back to this AC moment, Gavin, because that I will say that that was the most frightening part for me, watching yeah. him lose his shit in that wall, and you can't do anything about it. It was it was so – it shook me to my core as a child watching. Yes. Yeah. That was the most traumatizing part of that film, other than that entire worthless scene. But yes, Sage, Groundlings, <laughs> let's talk about it real quick, because this, this, this movie is kind of riddled with them, but – Groundlings is an improv and uh, sketch comedy theater in school in Hollywood. And um, I am 
happily a part of their main company um, right now, but they just celebrated their 45th anniversary. And this movie, I I mean, I, I'm not sure how it happened, but I think one of the producers came to a growling show in the 80s and was like i need to cast people for this film and at that time strike me as a toaster you know (laughs) yeah who out here look could be a toaster but the incredibly talented um soft-spoken hilarious deanna oliver who also wrote casper was cast as uh the brave little toaster and john lovitz who was there at the time was cast as the radio Phil Hartman was the AC unit and also that creepy hanging lamp. Remember? That, yes. My oh, God. My God. So creepy. And um, Mindy Sterling, who was in uh, Austin Powers, she plays like Dr. Evil sidekick. She plays the mom who you hear off screen. And also, ah. I, if you remember the sewing machine with the two faces who are like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Well, one of them was voiced by Mindy Sterling as well. So that's that's all I counted in the film. I might. I hope I'm not missing anyone. But I mean, I love this film before I got in Groundlings. And now I'm just like, cannot believe. I just could not believe. When I met Deanna Oliver, I shit my pants because she is – She's like dictated our childhoods. Like, like Casper and Brave Little Toaster were so huge for me growing up. So, um, I know it's, it's, it is, it is, um, surreal to be, uh, in the presence of someone like Deanna, but she is amazing, incredible woman. And that's a, that's a classic improv technique, right? Shitting your pants. Yeah. Uh, so I use that usually when I panic on stage. I'll usually be like, I just shit my pants and then I'll leave. It's very funny. Yeah, and usually gets a huge laugh because everyone loves poop humor. It's, and then, it's true. And if then I was, go. <laughs> if there was one thing that this movie's missing, but but continue. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, usually after that show, I'll go backstage and just really be mean to myself because I mean, when you're up there, when you're performing comedy, the last thing you want to do as a comedian is have to result to fart and poop <laughs> jokes, which I have definitely done. Yeah, I yeah. am not proud of it. But um, yeah, everybody poops though. We, you know, I know it's true. It's true. Everybody shits on stage. Mm-hmm. That Great. I was less sure of, but yeah, okay. No, it's true. It's true. Wow. Yeah, it's in a book. Oh wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, I saw that John Lovitz actually. Like you know, we we, we peruse the Wikipedia occasionally uh, and research for this episode. And um, we're researchers. John Lovitz uh, did all of his dialogue in one night, and. I was a hu- I'm a huge fan of the critic, so his voice just like is magic to me. <laughs> I fucking love him. Um, he's been great on The Simpsons and a bunch of yeah, like uh, Phil Hartman went on to The Simpsons. This voice cast is insane. Like it's just killer. I agree. I, I mean, I agree. I know three of the names that are said, so I'm I'm gonna cast some uh, some doubt on your claim of a killer voice cast. But uh, you have I mean, time did to you, convince did me. Did you listen to this movie though? I I did, and the. <laughs> Aside wow. from whoever did Blanky, who did an excellent job, was uh, it, a, it was like a legitimate child. I think I would was assume it? so. I don't know. I I would be shocked honestly because the amount of the the acting that's coming out of that blanket. Who I growing up, I never had a heating blanket, so same. I did not know what the why that thing had a face. Weirdly, like <laughs> everything else makes sense to me. I'm just like, yeah, sure. The the you know the radio already has a clock face, so like. He doesn't need one extra. 
the, the, the lamp, you know, sure, give it some eyes, let it talk out of its light bulb face. The vacuum cleaner, yeah, of course, that's what it would look like if it had a face. And the mm. toaster just kind of magically grows a face and then loses it whenever it needs to do reflections. Ooh, so. also really <laughs> weird. Also kind of creepy that the, all their faces kind of disappear, I think. Yeah. Well, and that is that, like, again, because we're just going to have to, because Sage keeps, uh, you know, even though he's not the one bringing it up, I am. The Toy Story thing where it's like they just kind of, you see it early on when they think the master is coming. They all run to their positions to kind of keep up the facade that nothing has changed in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And that's what you were talking about. A lot of um, people from this film went on to Pixar, you said? Some to Pixar, all, all to Disney. Um, I was kind of just blown away by like the amount of them. It's like Glenn Keane. Um, yeah, it's a killer creative team for sure. <laughs> uh, Joe Ranch, uh, Kirk Wise, Kevin Lima, who like a bunch of these people went on to direct like The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Tarzan, uh, Emperor's New Groove, just Lion Amazing. King. It's wow. it's a, a goofy movie, like it, so much. A goofy movie, That's which crazy. holds up. You know, we'll talk about that soon. But um, or I we'll also, just continue to talk about it on every other podcast <laughs> that we do. I also I, what it was fun about this one specifically is we kind of are starting to be able to tie together all of like at least my childhood. Like, even the animation studio on this indie, because this movie was financed by Disney, but they actually didn't produce it. Um, it was originally planned for Disney by Lasseter and Keen, who were both fired and then took the project to Hyperion. And the budget dropped from $18 million to 6 or below 6 that they got from Disney in exchange for the television rights. But then they also potentially got some freedom, and that's why we have like songs like Worthless and that terrifying hanging lamp that oh. laughs while uh, <gasps> the guy rips out parts of old appliances and puts them into uh, to fix other ones. Horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> so I can I can clarify a little bit what the connection with the creative team is. They're all CalArts graduates. Right. Uh, California Institute of the Arts. Uh, Lasseter is in the same class as Burton, in fact, Tim Burton. And that's why this is one of the first movies that even has the, uh, is it A113 that's in every Pixar movie in some capacity? Right. That is where the master lives. That is the uh, apartment number. Yeah. And uh, also just to finish that loop to other things that we've talked about on the show already. This is the same animation studio that worked on Taipei's Wang Film Productions. Did a bunch of like Disney television and specifically... The animated gargoyles. Oh, oh, <laughs> gargoyles! Oh, gargoyles! Also, another connection to our uh, repertoire or whatever is Jerry Rees was the produced produced the animation for Space Jam. Oh, <laughs> oh, Space Jam, man! Wow, I love to be Space alive. Jam. Oh, yeah. really? What a time! It sounds like Sam would like our podcast. <laughs> hey, have you guys reviewed Mask of Phantasm? Because Gargoyles was the commercial or the trailer that opened that movie for me on my VHF. What about you guys? That no, is actually yet. on our potential list, right? Oh my I think God. that's the one we put down for a ban animated movie. So great. Yeah. So sorry to to um, digress. Back back to this toaster and, yeah. and their friends and their journey. Um, did you guys gender the toaster? That's something I've always 
Oh, never. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't either. Yeah. I've been encouraged to not gender toasters. <laughs> Fair enough. That's good. I mean, I always <laughs> thought that it was a boy growing up. Um, I had no idea it was played by um, a woman. So, and I kind of love that it's androgynous, um, that the toaster uh, yeah. has no gender. It's just, it's just a toaster. It's, it's interesting how far, and like one of the things again to, when you're comparing this movie to Homeward Bound or Toy Story, there is like a level of anthropomorphization that happens in this movie that's very different than those. And say so that, say that word one more time. Anthropomorphization anthropomorphization i i am all right two more times you... <laughs> i'm only, i'm not gonna get better at saying this word <laughs> i want to know what you what you mean because i love that you said that word and i don't even know what it means so go ahead <laughs> uh just the way of taking an inanimate object and giving it like you know a soul is kind of the shorthand i want to use but oh, like a personality yes like this isn't I, I i'm sure like at some point we're gonna have to talk about like sonic and stuff and the way that like now the hedgehog is a weird sex symbol on the internet. Never, I've never heard that. I don't ever want to talk about that. <laughs> I'm not interested in talking about Sonic as a sexual symbol. You must be on a different internet than us. <laughs> Clearly. And that's definitely not a bad thing. I, I, you know, I, I'm not extending an invite. I can talk about gargoyles being sexual. <laughs> you know, being sexualized for sure. There is a strange moment in this movie that I do not remember. When they first are going through this world, there's first of all, like one of my favorite little bits is they finally figured out that the way to travel is to tie themselves up with a battery and a chair and have the lawn, uh, not lawnmower, <laughs> the, uh, the vacuum, uh, pull them across vacuums the through the brambles and he just switches himself to shag carpet setting and then he's set, you know, just absolutely fine. Yeah. But when they first come across that um, body of water with all the frogs and the turtles, oh my god! And the, and they they start like using Horrific. the the uh, the toaster as a mirror, which they're clearly not into. They're just horrified by this like close frogs who are just admiring themselves and in, in its reflection. And then it runs off, and there's this one flower mm-hmm. by itself. Oh. Gavin, tell it, tell it, tell us. And the us. flower goes like and hugs them, yes. and the the toaster shoves them away and says like, "Hey, get out of here! <laughs> I don't, I don't want your affection." <laughs> when did the toaster? When did the toaster become an East Coast toaster? You had you didn't notice that? Hey, get out of here! <laughs> but I did know. Well, he he said, "Hey, c- I'm I'm not I'm not another flower. It's a reflection." And then. He he pushes the flower from the hug and then goes hide behind a bush and then can take it away, Gavin. And then watches the flower wilter and die. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! It's so bushes. sad. It's it's so incredibly sad. And from that moment, uh, this flower happens to be the same color as Blanky, who is also in like this dark nights that they're they're spending out on this uh, trek tries to hug every other Favorite one of them the on the journey and they all just shove it away and they're like i don't want you to snuggle with me i don't want snuggles so i don't mean. want any part of this so mean hey go snuggle by yourself i'm sleeping here how 
how did they all become East Coast appliances, uh, guys? This movie very, very clearly takes place in the suburbs of New York. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know, but they don't There's... talk like that. <laughs> oh, um, and like Kirby kind of does. Kirby has this like rough kind of like way of talking. You know, doesn't he get okay? He, he does, yes. Okay. Unfortunately, this podcast doesn't have the voice talent. Um you know, at least two of us aren't Crown Links trained, and I I do apologize no, for that. No, that was a terrible impression. And no, you guys are doing great. You guys, please don't. I'm limited to use guys, and I think that's all use I got. Use guys. I no, spent well, a whole week in New York, so maybe I'm the right person for this. Well, the radio definitely has that little twang in him that, ah, I guess he, or I guess it was like more... Well, it, they shifted up, though, too. Lovitz is all over the place, just knocking it out of the park, including his baseball renditions, which he does often. Oh, yeah. I think he mentions the Brooklyn uh, Dodgers, just to set it in a time and place. Ugh, amazing. But, so, after that, the toaster then gives the gives the blanket some kind words, and the lamp stops him, or stops them and says, like... What are you doing there? You being nice to that blanket? <laughs> you got some sort of ulterior motives being nice to that blanket? Why are you being... What's going on here? Explain this to me. <laughs> yeah. So what was your thought about that? I don't know. Sage, how did you take that? Because I don't remember that from a kid, at being a kid. I don't yeah, that, either. That Neither do I. Uh, that just resulted in a note saying, "What? What is the motivation? Why is this? Is this gonna? Is this gonna come back and be important?" And uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. It's it's this toaster gaining empathy. Like it's weird that like the constant on this journey is the infighting between all of them, and like especially the vacuum cleaners, uh, f- is so terrified to show any sort of familiarity familiarity or softness towards his their compatriots. Um it's really fascinating. I don't remember the toaster having to have that realize that realization that like maybe I'm, it's a good thing to show warmth. Uh, I agree with you because the whole beginning of the film when they're doing chores together, the toaster is really so warm and already very friendly with the blanket. So when I saw that scene happen yeah. I between them where the lamp was like, what's the deal with you and the blanket or whatever? And then the it's like so weird that the toaster even had an issue with the blanket because we'd already established that they were already close. I was so confused. Yeah, I, I and I I'd entirely blocked that out. But Same. that also leads its way into them discussing and like that's the history of like the montage of the master interacting with all of them where mm. everyone is softened by being around the master, including the lamp who like opens up about the time that his first bulb broke yes. and he thought he was done mm-hmm. and that was it. He was going to be junk, but the master put in a new bulb and yes. gave him purpose again. Oh, amazing. Thank God that boy had an extra organ light <laughs> around for his friend lamp. I, th- yeah. I think the master actually has a name, doesn't he? I, I know just the fact that they call him master is so... Ugh. It's a weird choice of words. It's so <laughs> awful. But I think on IMDb it says master slash young Rob. Am I correct? I don't know if that... I forget if that's I, correct. I don't remember hearing... I know he refers to his uh, presumably girlfriend, Chris. Mm-hmm. But I only remember hearing her name. I don't remember hearing a name like for him. If that ever happens, the mom said it while they were talking. Yeah, don't forget your sweater. Oh, you forgot your sweater. <laughs> yeah. I. By the way, Chris, just side note, icon. 
icon. I didn't realize until I watched it recently. I was like, wow, I really like her. I mean, she, is she wants so much to... better dressed than he is. She, like, he I'm just like, looks like the what? biggest nerd. I know. What is she doing with this guy? But I know that she wants new things and that maybe it was like she was trying to. She didn't like that he was so nostalgic. He's but so old fashioned. Yeah. I know. But she went to that junkyard and she was like all about that grill. She was like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that she wanted to repurpose car grills. I was like, okay. That is a fantastic moment. In order to get him like alone, they just give her this passion <laughs> that like, and the animation in the background is so it's good for so that funny. moment where she's just like full body trying to tear apart this car with her <laughs> bare hands. Yeah. It, it's great. Yes. And then she thinks he's fucking around on the conveyor belt. She's like, stop <laughs> screwing around up there. He's like, I almost died. <laughs> yeah um yeah, i want i want to talk about a few of like the daydream sequences and the music please so, please that's what i think this movie really has going for it <laughs> yeah so hmm. we talked a little bit about the 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 frog scene which is like fascinating in that like one thing this movie tends to do is again these these uh our characters have never been outside of this cabin before and so it's constantly them going into this new world and realizing that it is just full of uh, terror, including like these frogs are singing and having fun, but they also want to get really close. Mm-hmm. They and try then, to steal a blanket. Yeah, the the mice yeah. who are adorable and finally Brutal. Uh, Brutal. blanket has someone who will snuggle with them. Like they're have all these adorable little mice who then try and take them into their mouse hole, oh. and I believe. Did what? Do you guys? Did you guys hear what Blanket was yelling from the hole when he was calling for help? Oh my God, no! Tell us. I think he's. I think they're shouting that they're killing me. Like I, that's what I heard upon this rewatch, <gasps> which is horrifying. Me. Are you serious? He's saying they're killing me. Did it? And no one else. Well, that was good. That? Oh, it was terrifying. Oh no! That I did not hear that. I didn't hear that. I wish I had heard that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, this movie is like an indie, and like a lot of the reviews when I looked at them mentioned how, like, this was a film that you couldn't make at Disney, even though it was being made with Disney money. And, um, like one reviewer, which I disagree with, but I really enjoyed this this idea, referred to it as Blade Runner, but for children. <laughs> Are you serious? I love that. I yeah. love that Blade Runner for children. B- Brave Runner. What was what was some of your guys' favorite musical sequences? I oh well, go ahead, Sage, because we already know mine. Well, I don't. Okay, I don't have anything bad to say about the musical sequences in this. I feel like none of them stick out to me after the fact as memorable music. But in the movie, the antique shop, or what would be the the scrap shop. Yeah, the, the, uh, it was kind the of a box and uh, had a lot of shadow play and was very terrifying. Oh yeah, that that yeah. song was so great. It's like a movie. It's a B movie show, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's like horror disco, yeah. which is great. Like it's four on the floor and it's funky. Yeah, so many references, so many horror film references. Just throwing out House of Wax, mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yep. Uh, I truly Vincent enjoyed that yeah. But you've already said more words than I remember from the song. Well, and so, Sam, you mentioned the, the voice of the um, 
The Hanging Lamp? Yes. Oh, my God. Phil Hartman. He. Oh. Th- wait, that was Phil Hartman? Yes, too? he played. I mean, how can you just put him on the AC? He he has <laughs> so... He can do so many voices, that man. So he comes down as his creepy-ass hanging lamp, and he's like, eh, eh, you want to leave? I can't even do it. It's, he's, <laughs> it's so good. Anyways, but yes. But he's obviously... Oh, I forget. Peter Lore, right? Is that who it's emulating? Peter Lore? I, I just... I know, like, the face. Like, the way that they animate the lamp. It fills me with, like, memories that, like, I cannot pinpoint. Yes. Like, Frankenstein's... um psych- Or... Was that a different Frankenstein? Oh, you're talking about, like, young um, Frankenstein. Maybe. What's his face? Peter uh, Lore? No, was it? But the, the hunchback who... The assistant. Yes. Igor, right? Yeah. There's aspects of that, for sure. And just... That scene is one of the – that one definitely stuck with me as a kid too. And I did not realize like – first of all, like randomly that dude just drives a pickup truck and that's never really a moment that needs to happen. And I, we don't need to talk about it. But when they introduce oh, him we sh- we and he just talk about climbs it. up – he climbs up the tire to get in and with like no sexual awareness has been presented yet. So you're just like, why is this man climbing a tire? Why is he searching for scrap in the middle of a bog? I know. Good questions. You, and you he, know he was that out he, there listening for yeah, videos. He definitely disposed of a body and he was he col- oh. he saw he saw a radio in the mud. He was like, Oh, right next to the body I just disposed of. Look at this cool junk. Bonus. Bonus for me. And then climbs into that ridiculous car, clearly overcompensating for not being able to see his penis in the shower. I will say though, that man seems extremely comfortable. And part of that is the aspect of him, like, tearing out pieces of, like, just, there's a joyousness to him that we don't get in the obvious comparisons, again, Toy Story, Sid, and then the repairman from the second movie, who, or the collector, who both seem, like, unsure and kind of angry at the world. This movie presents it as, like, this guy is just going through life, living a wonder, having a wonderful time. But and little does he know that he is tearing out the guts, the in the innards of every like living soul that he brings into his shop. Yeah. And they all like revel in it. They love that these new kids are here. <laughs> they love that they're there and they're like, we want to get out. They're like, oh, there's no leaving. You must be the new kids in town. I think that like, cr- wasn't it that? Um, this is your first that- day in juvie? Yeah. <laughs> it was like that tape recorder with the two huge like tape. What were supposed to be breasts, I think. And she's like, you must be the new kids in town. Or I can't do it. But but yeah, I know they just love it. They love, they love. Yeah. And the way that music, that musical section is is done is um, you've got, like you mentioned, Sage, all this like shadow play. And you're watching like come from kind of far away so that you get like this size of shadow as like, you know, this, um, I believe he's. Is he tearing apart a... What is he tearing apart? Sorry, a blender. A blender, right. They need a new motor for a blender. And this blender who is like hidden but not well enough, he takes and then in shadows you see like his hand like tearing out the guts and like the sound, the, the soundscape that's created around it is horrifying. And you're watching as this gigantic shadow reigns over our crew, small in the distance just watching in horror yeah and then the lamp comes down just to laugh about it again Awful. and starts singing i know uh, and then there's that one part where he brings the motor to that 
Canadian? I don't know who that man was with the crazy teeth. He brings it sounds it out. like you're stepping around a slur when you say that. <laughs> but he he closes the door and then you you see the dripping of the right. oil. Yeah. From oh, this man. blender that's been completely disemboweled. It's crazy. I yeah. want to make certain that- we don't move past my actual favorite part of this movie because it's one of the few genuine Jokes. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but the uh, the the Canadian comes in and asks, "My wife needs a uh, a motor blender. Do you have one of those?" Oh yeah, I got I got I got one of those back there. I just pick one of them up. Use guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop doing voices. So he goes and gets the the blender from the mo- from the ugh, the motor from the blender. Then they talk more in the back, all the different appliances. And maybe two minutes of screen time later, the Canadian comes back and says, Hey, my wife loved that, that blender motor. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you have any radio tubes? <laughs> just like, how did that happen so fast? I love it. Yeah, where he, so his wife needed the. Oh. Maybe he lives upstairs. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because he came back so fast. Oh, I get it. I <laughs> he get came it, back I get so it. fast and he loves it. So not only did you know, they've already installed the the blender motor at this time. That man lives <laughs> across the like, street. I love it. Get me some yeah. tubes. It's yes. a small town. Quick, just to let you know, Gavin, I just revisited that part where he's being dragged in the hole by the the rats, and he is in fact saying they're killing me. Oh God. So yeah, that is so specific. Like. <laughs> I don't, especially for a kids' movie, that is so grim. They're killing me. So that that scene in the used uh, part shop was so, yeah. oh, it was so good. It was so good and horrific, just like the whole film. And they told us from the beginning, from the title card, they told us, "Oh, this is not a children's film, bitches." And we're like, "Okay." That, that is the text that opens the movie, and I was always surprised by that choice too. Yes. <laughs> this ain't your daddy's toaster movie. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite scene, I think, was just to go back to that uh, terrifying clown monster, um, and also to revisit that kind of eighties, nineties thing that we've talked about with um, evil beings that are just ooze and smoke. That first hor- horror, like nightmare that the toaster has, is they are catching on fire. They've failed in their duty to, to, to toast toast. And instead, smoke starts billowing from the top of them. Fire erupts in the house and the smoke forms a giant hand that grabs the master and tears him out of the room wow. to an unseen end. Yes. <laughs> and that's when like out of nowhere that, that there's a clown dressed as a firefighter. I don't know how to like just you need to look of this movie or this image because I don't know what it's doing in this movie. It's horrifying. Out of nowhere. And shoots a river of forks that clearly would, you know, that's how you break a toaster famously or you drop it in a bathtub or both ways to kind of commit suicide. Um, yeah, I never thought of get... that as killing the toaster, the bathtub scenario. It's it's a combination of like the end. Like this is just like very much talking about mortality and the end of service and it's 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 just a lot inadequacy <laughs> being obsolete oh my yeah. god like uh i know it's like a stress dream it was a brave little toaster stress dream oh and then after that poor blanky gets flown up into the sky and it's it's ha- they're they're hanging and like they talk about um where's that voice coming from 
Maybe, maybe he's, you know, among the clouds now. Perhaps. He's just, I can still hear his voice yelling down from the heavens. Oh. He's like, no, he's in a tree, you idiots. <laughs> and then we find out that vacuum cleaners can climb trees. Yeah. Or maybe you guys already knew that. I don't know. No, we knew that. More like zipline. It's more of a, more of a zipline scenario. <laughs> yeah. okay. Kirby can do anything. Kirby is like That's the, true. He's the MVP. He can absorb sure. the powers of other appliances. <laughs> yeah. And, and like they they jump that cliff face across that waterfall yes. together. Although he was triggered of. as fuck. He got triggered yeah. or he like short circuited or something randomly happened to him. He had some sort of seizure. But yeah, I think he was totally MVP. He even had a whole arc where he was like, I'm nice now, you know, a little bit. I would have liked them to dig a little bit deeper into the vacuum's PTSD from the vacuum wars. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) I think it's it's in there. You know, you don't have to spell everything out for everybody all the time, Sage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really require backstory. This 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 movie doesn't you know it expects a certain amount um, from its audience and doesn't you know feed them like babies. What was I supposed to read? The middle schoolers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hear that the the book only contains like four lines of dialogue that made it over to the movie. Also, in case you didn't know, this is an adaptation of a series of books. I actually did not know that. Yeah, the yeah. toaster doesn't do anything brave in the, in the book. <laughs> no, they had to <gasps> rewrite that, yeah. Oh, um, were Despite you... the title. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Didn't know. Didn't know. Really quick, because we have mentioned the worthless scene and the antagonist in the worthless scene. So the parents of the master's they have a house full of modern appliances that also sing a horrifying song about how these our heroes are not worthy, basically, of serving the master anymore because they can't do advanced calculus. They don't have as good a sound system. So they're unceremoniously tossed into a dumpster out of like a, you know, five-story window in an apartment. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about the cutting edge song where they're saying this is what yes. we can... We do more, more, more! That one... <laughs> Yeah, singing about capitalism and uh, yes. consumerism. Oh, I love it. And also, just briefly, one that computer. I yeah. don't know if you guys are familiar with Courage the Cowardly Dog, mm-hmm. but that computer looks so and reminded me so much of Fred the the Barber, Creepy Fred. I don't remember that specifically, but that is a really good comparison. Courage the Cowardly Dog is also like the story about um, just how horrifying the world is and the people don't necessarily see it all the time. And the way that that computer looks like the closest thing, if you turn a computer into like a human skull, mm. uh, that's what you get. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. But yes, they get tossed into the trash. By these right. uh, by these newer appliances. I also really loved the TV growing up, watching him try and stick up. And uh, so they're in the dumpster. The dumpster has a label on the side. And the TV is their old friend mm-hmm. who then tries to convince the master to go to the junkyard where they have been sent. Yeah. Ernie's. Ernie's. What was it? Ernie's yeah. junk? Something Ernie's, like that. Ernie's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a favorite scene of mine. But just when they are in the junkyard... There is this ever-present um, floating magnet monster. Oh, that is chasing them and putting them on the chopping block. Oh my god, that magnet monster was terrifying. 
terrifying. And also the only object in this universe that's allowed to be sentient while people are watching. <laughs> but they also make it a point of like erasing its eyes when it gets close to the master. Oh, so scary. Because it almost kills the human too. Yes. <laughs> like it drops them on the conveyor belt and he's pinned. And that's when the toaster commits his act of bravery and jumps from the highest peaks of ruined cars into the cogs that make this, you know, metal machine go, thus oh. saving everyone. I know. Wow. Oh, rewatching it? God, I, well, I, let me just say, I love this movie so much. And watching it back again, I was just, oh, it's just timeless. That scene is so timeless. It's still scary when the magnet yeah. is searching for them through the aisles of junk and then they try to, they try to like, they're so close to like being reunited with their master. And then the magnet comes up on them and it's so scary. Yeah. They pull like a, oh, it's the master. And he just walks right past them and it's like, oh, he's coming back. And it's not him. It's the it's magnet. Death. Yes. <laughs> yeah. death. Oh, so sad. But then also hearing the stories of these cars. That are being yeah. placed on the... Like, they're so heartbreaking. Like, these cars, are, they just have no use anymore. All the greatness that they've been through, the miles that they've driven. And now they're just... They're Worthless. just like, you know what? Just kill me. Just kill me. Yeah. And it's it's also like it's that continued, like, I once drove a cowboy to a wedding. Yes. I once took a surfer to the beach. Yes. And like, they have these, like, elements of personality, as thin as they might be. But, mm -hmm. like, that they have served their purpose and they're kind of ready. Some of them, like, only... I remember one of them has the uh, our crew inside of it when it's placed on. And you see its moment of regret, like, as it's going in and they all jump out. It's 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 a lot. And I, I would also say, like, Sage, so you're a big fan of Toy Story 3, as we all are. I think and that's... Yeah, that's the only Toy Story I'm a, I'm a true fan of. Okay, wow, you just don't like, you know, children's uh, entertainment, I guess. I, I think this wow. specific uh, story may not really speak to me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but so that movie, the big thing that uh, a lot of people weren't ready for is when they're all kind of going into that fiery pit together and yeah. the Toy Story crew holds hands and accepts death yeah. before they cheat it with which they don't really have a part in. And this also has that moment. Yeah, like, in the mud Years scene. earlier. Yeah. Where I think it's the radio says, at least we'll all go together. Yeah, and then and then he looks at Blinky. He's like, Blinky, try to um let go. And Blinky's like, no, I'm okay. I'm not scared. And then he just gets swallowed. scarring. Swallowed. Yeah. Uh, it's this, this movie is just like, I, mortality is a word that I wasn't thinking of the entire time. But when you said that, Sam, that like, yeah. It's a very adult exploration. Mm -hmm. And this movie actually was the first animated film to play at Sundance. <gasps> I didn't know that. And because, again, it didn't get like a really a full theatrical release. It was Bummer. it was shown in like art house theaters. It, Whoa. It, uh, Disney kind of, according to the director, he claims that Disney blocked its theatrical run. So that, like, when it premiered, where it first got traction was playing on Disney uh, television, whatever that's called, Disney Channel. And it really found its home in VHS re-release was where it found its audience. Wow. Have they ever 
made copies of this available on like DVD or Blu-ray or streaming? Yes, I had. I have the DVD of it, or I have. Yeah, I mean, currently, what's interesting is because I know Sam when you brought this up, and you you were the one who told me because I hadn't looked for it yet. You're like, this isn't on Disney Plus. They have the sequels, but they don't have the movie. Mm-hmm. And while this was made with Disney money, it wasn't a Disney film. No, like you said, it was he was they were fired, so they brought it over to Hyperion, right? So, but yeah. then their budget went down. You said from eighteen million to six million. Crazy. Yeah, the <laughs> they said that like the amount of work they do a day on this film is what the Disney people would take like two weeks to do and do right. So this was a cheaper film, but like the animation looks pretty darn good for the time. It reminds me a lot of uh, The Land Before Time kind of in quality. <gasps> yes, with the bubbles. There was a moment with bubbles. I forget which moment that was. And I was, for some reason, that reminded me of Land Before Time. And I'm forgetting why. Sorry. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's those like lush background paintings that are very expressionist. Ah, uh, yes. And then like you can always tell where the cells are. Like they're not blending them perfectly mm-hmm. uh, as they do a much better job, I think, later on. But for the time, I think this looked pretty good. And especially for like an indie animated feature. Yeah, and it still holds up. It definitely, it still looks beautiful. It's still compelling. I mean, the animation, usually I'll get, I would get turned off if animation is so unattractive, you know, maybe that's me just being judgmental, but. Well, no, it's it's definitely not. I, I tried to watch the original Toy Story as supplemental material so that I would have more authority for some of the stuff I'm talking about. And I only made it 20 minutes in because that being the first full CG animated movie, like there are some growing pains and there are some things that are impossible to look past. Brave oh, yeah. Little Toaster, I think it looks pretty good, but we also had to watch like a YouTube upscale version of it. Uh, but. Yeah, it, it, I think it looks as contemporary as anything else in 87. Yeah, it it is interesting. I, I, I So in hunting for it, we we I didn't find it on a streaming service. I actually found it on archive.org, which I think is it's a government website where people tend to upload stuff. So I'm I'm surprised it's on there. It feels like there should be rights issues around that. I I would be interested to to know the licensing stuff around it because again, I'm really surprised this isn't on Disney Plus. Yeah, I know. And it was a really good um, copy or it was really watching it back (laughs) from the archive.org. I was like, oh, this is really um, the quality is not bad at all. It has like a gate weave to it, which I do remember animation from this time period having. But it's it phased out to me like I don't know when that kind of ended. And I wonder if that has to do with transferring something to VHS or like DVD. Uh, Well, the DVD that I did have in college, it was the worst quality of this movie I'd ever seen that I only I only got through, I think, the first 10 minutes. I was like, I can't watch. This is unwatchable. This DVD is unwatchable. So I was concerned about. Yeah. So I was concerned about this link, but it was great. It was great. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah. In case you, you two want to rediscover. Mm-hmm. We assume you, the the listener, are going to listen to this episode and then watch Brave Little Toaster and then come back with fresh eyes. <laughs> it, it is interesting to see, like, this came before Toy Story, which, again, has spawned four very successful films now. And the team behind it went on to do uh, a bunch of, like, Disney's, like, some of their best work. And it had, like, the coloring team that had already worked on Snow White, too, also mm. did 
aspects of this. Wow. I had no idea. That's amazing. So, you know, a bunch of really amazing artists working with less money Wait. than they might have had at Disney. But well, wasn't Snow White like 50 years earlier? Sage. <sighs> don't 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 burst the bubble or correct me. <laughs> I could be what wrong. Corrections. But OK. <laughs> just quickly, the composer of this film, who not with the songs and the lyrics, but just the composer, David Newman, went on to do Heather's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Sandlot. The list continues. This man oh, is iconic. Also, <laughs> Van Dyke Parks, who actually did the songs, the lyrics to the songs. He I don't know what else he did. But, wow. um, man, do I love the lyrics that he put on these songs. I mean, my favorite verse from Worthless, if I may, this when the key changes in the song, he goes, I took a man to a graveyard. I beg your pardon. It's quite hard enough just living with the stuff I have learned. I mean, my God. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> I love it, though. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, now we can move on. I do have one question to pose before we go into our final judgments. Um, the the central premise of this movie, would it have worked better if, hypothetically, everyone was toys? I don't understand. <laughs> Gavin, I understand. Um, I mean, because to- I, don't, I, I actually thought the same thing, Sage, when I was watching it. I was like, hmm, didn't they use this opportunity to have toys be a part of this? I mean, I felt like it was obvious, but maybe it's just because Toy Story's out that I felt that way. But yeah. he, they could have easily made this about toys. But no, they wanted it to be a brave little toaster to lead the way. <laughs> I, I think know, there's a combination of like adaptation of an existing property. Like this is a novella. And obviously the, the idea of Toy Story was germinating in John Lasseter's head. He, he worked and s- developed this movie a little bit and ended up directing Toy Story. <sighs> Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he also colored Snow White, and <laughs> sorry, unfair, unfair. Wow. The basic idea works so much better with with toys. Like, See, what I are never... your toys doing when you're not there, and what is their relationship with you? And I don't know if you can if you could truly ask that about your toaster or your vacuum or any of the things you had growing up that you realistically do not remember or care about as a teenager I... or an adult. I never questioned this, though, growing up. Like, this has never not worked for me. And albeit, like, growing up, the relationship is strange, and it's something that draws attention to itself. But it's not something that, like, I um, reject in any way, shape, or form, to be honest. Like, I like this idea of exploring, you know, usefulness and affection in a very strange way. It, I, I think it works for me, at least. And I love Toy Story too. Nothing, nothing against Toy Story. Love that movie. Here's what happened: John Lasseter told Jerry Reese, who directed Brave Little Sister, he said, "Listen, Jerry, you don't want to make this about toys, man. Come on, you don't want to make this about toys." Because Lasseter knew that it would be better as toys, and he convinced Jerry otherwise to do it about appliances. Even though <laughs> this movie holds up and it's great, and we love it. But then, what did Jerry Reese go on to do after Toy Story? Nothing. He never directed another thing. He went to Tron. Oh, no, before that, he did Tron. He was an art Space in Jam. art department. Oh, yeah. Well, he produced Space Jam, but he didn't direct another like, animation. Did animation. On, yeah. On Space Jam. Because yeah. John Lasseter fucked him. Which, John which Lasseter is most of Space him. Jam, let's be fair. <laughs> we, we, you know, we broke it. Uh, you heard it first here. John Lasseter screwed uh, 
the director of Brave Old Toaster. Come here for the hot take. So, Gavin, what is our final judgment system? Well, the way that we choose to look back at these films after we've removed our nostalgia goggles uh, is deciding if it's something that's still good, if it's something that was better as a memory, or if it's something that we should bury in the ground and never speak of again. Sam, do you want to go first? Oh, I forgot I was on mute. I was laughing through. Because I, <laughs> I love your rating system. Um, still good, Thank better you. as a memory, never speak of again. Well, guys, it's, it's not still good. It's great. It's still great to me. I still yeah. love it. I still can get down with Worthless. I forgot how, I think someone said funky, um, more and more, or sorry, not more and more, uh, B-movie that song is, and it truly yeah. is very funky. It's a banger. Um, yeah, this movie still holds up. I definitely would rate it still good, if not better. Damn. Um, I, I'm pretty torn here. This is, this is one that like, I do have such fond memories of this movie and they lived up to like my memories. Like I was not disappointed in any way, shape or form, but this is a movie that while it does have like higher themes, it is very much a kid's movie in a way that like a lot of children's entertainment now has gone even further. And it definitely served as a building block for so many other great things. I would give, I think I'm going to give it a still good because I really enjoyed every second of it. I thought it was beautiful. The music's uh, really works for me in a lot of ways. And um, it's really fun to hear the soundtrack's a little dated to me, but like in a very fun way. Yeah. I, I did not expect because I don't know if I've seen this since the Toy Story films have been coming out. And it really inter- is interesting seeing those ideas germinate. They're already so fully formed. Anthropomorphize in this movie. is what you're looking for. <laughs> yes. Anthropomorphized uh, thoughts. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's not a, maybe a fra- favorite film of mine, but like it's really great. And the memories I hold are so dear and it lived up to them to the T. All right, Sage. Your well, turn. Well, our, our our rating system of is this still good isn't necessarily like putting it on the the gold record to be shot into space for uh, other, other. Although that does happen in the sequel. Well, maybe maybe that one goes on the gold record. I think I said most of what I have to say regarding the quality of this film in my little Toy Story aside right before Final Judgments. The existence of Toy Story doesn't take away from everything that Brave Little Toaster did, but I do feel like I've seen this story done better and it not holding its nostalgic value for me having not seen it. I mean, I I have to go with better as a memory. I appreciate this movie. I want that on record. I had a good time watching it and I'm pretty fine never seeing it again. That's fair. Thank you for sharing. Oh no, she okay. crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. I just it's fine. It's okay. We're okay. Do you do you need some sort of comforting no. electric blanket? No. We're not crying, you're crying. Yeah. I don't think I said I, this earlier, Gavin, but have you never had the comfort of coming in from a negative ten degree day to an electric blanket and a hot cocoa? I I cannot say I have. I don't I don't think I don't think I saw an electric blanket until at least my 20s. Yeah. I don't know if I've... I'm not entirely sure I've seen one in real Sage, life, to be honest. where are you from? Oh, I'm from Alaska. What? 
What? How are you from a? I did, wow, I've never met anyone from Alaska. Hi. I mean, there's there's not a, a lot of us that that moved out of there, but like I said, so, you're on a different internet than me. So you know um, about all about the electric blankets. That's great. I have the same experience that that Gavin has. I have never used had to use an electric blanket. So. No, I I did, I, and like I I one of the interesting things about this movie in seeing the director try and kind of explain it, which I just want to talk about it briefly because I don't think it really works and it kind of shows like an interesting consistency in the movie is when he's describing the character, where they're describing the characters, they refer to a blankie is an electric security blanket who is insecure. Lampy is a lamp who's kind of mentally dim. Kirby, his job is to like take things and hold them, you know, inside, but he's the one who breaks down and like can't hold in his feelings at the end. Radio is John Lovitz, and the t- <laughs> and the toaster is warm and reflective, so they can they're more empathetic. But the scarecrow is cowardly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it is very like direct, and it's not really about growth in a lot of ways, which is kind of one of the things that maybe this movie. I don't know if it could have done it better because I'm not always convinced that's necessary. But it is interesting that I don't know how well that device holds up upon scrutiny well gavin if you were to hypothetically make this movie today in our next segments uh how would you how would you reboot it we're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s oh it's not a remake it's a reboot you see the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity what the fuck is a reboot so all they do now is recycle shit from the past we're working on less of a shriekle and, and more of a screaming expect us all not to notice i like it another <laughs> Wow, what a question. Good luck, Gavin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're next, Sam. <laughs> Great. I, I'm trying to think of a, a a way that, you know, to do this any differently. I think that, like, what I'd be afraid of is losing the, the like, really out there moments. Like, when you're sitting down to write this movie, when do you decide that you need this horrifying clown fireman that shoots forks? At a toaster. Okay, this in its movie nightmares. was clearly reverse engineered from that, which is also straight from one of the Brave Little Toaster books called "These Aren't Your Daddy's Clowns." Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you like cross this over with the It universe and have the Brave Little Toaster have to take down an interdimensional crab monster from Stephen King's lore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I guess we cracked it. Um, I don't know. Does anyone else want to go first? <laughs> Um, make it scarier. I agree with you, Gavin. I think you, you lean in, you lean into the horror of, uh, of Brave Little Toaster. They're throwing you horror. You lean into it. None of this other, like, oh, oh, sweetness, I guess. Like, just get rid of it. We don't need it. If I were going to change anything, I would just, I would make each character have more of an arc and then just make it even more horrific. But the horror is already there. That's what's so great about it. Cause it's a, yeah children's film that's that just plays the entire time as just a horror and the clown part is so random but i would just lean into that let's bring a clown in (laughs) yeah why not have it come in yeah let's just commit to that there's an interesting version of this movie maybe where you start in the like antique repair shop and just have 
these uh, characters darting at the point where they have given up on justifying their existence. And from there, find a place, find a way to give that an even lower point once they get out of this antique shop and make it more about like self-identity rather than uh, identifying themselves through service. But I don't I don't know if that would make it better. It's just like another take that you could do about just because this is a film that, you know, is about adoration and service and love. But like leaning further into justifying one's existence, especially when you're created to serve, could be interesting. So I don't know, I guess like use if you take the master a little further away from the center of the story, I guess what does that, what that looks like could be interesting to me. Um, Sage, you got anything? Yeah, as uh, as usual, I don't have the most serious pitch of the three people on the podcast. Uh, my Brave Little Toaster reboot would ser- double serve as an adaptation of the video game I Am Toast. And I kind of want to just add another another layer to the idea that, all right, what what uh, what do your appliances do when you're not around? What if what if the toaster is unaware that all food is sentient, but isn't allowed to be sentient around the toaster. I don't know. I'll put a writer's room together. I just have a premise. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I like that. Also, there's this, um, there's this uh, artist on Instagram named Beeple. Are you? I think, Gavin, you're familiar with Beeple. Oh, like Beeple crap? Yeah. I would like to see them animate the reboot of Brave Little Toaster. To, to like the the character design and just... yes, and just the horror, just yeah, they are they are nightmare fuel. Yeah, I uh, I saw their one today. I think was in a reference to how you know both uh, is it pronounced WAP like W A P? Ah, yes, yes, yes. And uh, the current political climate yep. uh, joining together with um, just Donald Trump's gushing vagina. Yep, love it. Uh, not something I expected to see when I opened Instagram, but there it was. Nope. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Sage, are you familiar with this? Uh, mildly. There, there are some things I try to. I'm cursorily aware. Cur- anthropomorphize. I am aware of and try to not be more <laughs> aware of. Fair enough. Do either of you think that this property would have been better served with a slightly different animation style? Because it was supposed to be the first CG movie, and Disney was like, no, that'll, that's not faster or cheaper. Why would we use computers? Mm. No, I think that this, I would have, I don't think I would have liked it as much if it was in a computer graphics in 1987. That would have looked, because cr- if Toy Story is already <laughs> kind of pushing it, then I think um, Brave Little Toaster as that in 1987 would have been rough, 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 rough. Yeah, this, this, I mean, and that's part of like, I, I, there's a a big part of me that yearns for this style of animation. And these are people who are like the top of animation, especially like the things that they would go on to do too with Mm -hmm. more money and budget. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but the way that they animate and anthropomorphize these devices, these appliances, uh, gives them so much personality that kind of helps with, again, like the characters aren't that well-defined. They're kind of working off just different archetypes. But the way that like the toaster looks at the world, like is just so visible. These like big, you know, 
sentient eyes that are just like taking in this world and you know the way that the vacuums in a permanent scowl um and the emotional break of the ac unit i think is one of like the bigger better moments of showing like what this animation can do strength wise uh, i i think it's totally beautiful it'd be hard to like the only thing that i think you could clean up is like the the combination of the animation cells and the background but again, there's a charm to that that's always worked for me. It's just the only technical thing I could point to as like not being something that gets improved later. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I, yeah, I also like the background as well. I, I'm not a big. I don't know anything about animation. I don't draw, but I enjoyed. I enjoy Brave Little Toaster as it is. I just, if we did do a reboot, I would ask people crap to come on and. And give us some uh, some sketches. That's all. Oh boy. Well, um, I think we're at that point in the episode where we thank our audience and ask our guest if they've got anything to, um, you know, promote or. Oh, Maybe we can quickly do a recommendation roundtable. Oh, like if you like, sure. If you like Brave Little Toaster, what else might you like checking out? Hmm, that's a good question. If you like Brave Little Toaster, why don't you check out Courage the Cowardly Dog? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a I really liked that show and I think that was on when I didn't have cable, so I was just catching bits and pieces of it from Cartoon Network at friends' houses. But that's another just like the way that they can make a terrifying world. Yes. I'm trying to think. Oh, maybe. Oh, Casper. If you like Dan Oliver. <laughs> Casper, I watched recently. Still so good. Well, we'll reserve judgment, but. <laughs> well, it is. It is great. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like, Sage, you already kind of recommended the Toy Story trilogy somewhat or quadrilogy. quadrilogy. That's right. Toy Stories two through four. The Toy Story <laughs> trilogy. I mean, I I would say one and three are my favorites from I, that series. But. Yeah, I watched one Toy Story one yesterday and thought it was great. I mean, yeah, the animation is rough, but uh, but the story's still um, the story's still there, and I still enjoy the fact that they come to life and scare the shit out of Sid because he deserved it because he was an asshole. Yeah, I was thinking about Sid a lot during this movie and the collector from the second movie. Um, yes. I just wish Sid looked more like a real human for those scenes for me to really... <laughs> that, I mean, it's... Yeah, dang. no, that's just what it is. 1996 yeah. or whatever. No, and it's it's definitely like... They kind of constructed that movie as much as they could to avoid showing what humans would look like. That's why you really only spend time with Sid. You don't see the parents. You barely see Andy. Like, they just made the concession that humans were something they couldn't really do yet and didn't write their way out of shooting Sid. So he's definitely the the hardest to buy in that series, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed looking at his terrifying uh, teeth um, embraces. I thought that was, I mean, I don't know if it was the animation or if they were made intentionally to look that terrifying, but that, wow, that was the scariest part of Sid besides him just being <laughs> a complete sociopath. Yeah. I would hate to... Actually, does he show up in a sequel, Grown Up? He does. In three or four? Yeah. 
well, where he's anyway. a garbage person. Yeah, that sounds right. He he goes from being a garbage kid to being a garbage person. Nah. <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend the critic, uh, the short-lived um, 2D cartoon with John Lovitz playing a film critic and just going through life. Uh, I had them all taped off television growing up and watched the shit out of them. And especially like their send-ups of uh, the Terminator series. Uh, it's fantastic. I didn't have the heart to go into it on this podcast, but I have just never enjoyed John Lovitz. You're a fan of John Lovitz. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I would be a better, I would have had a better life if I did. It's all on me. I'm going to re-recommend once again, uh, a graphic novel uh, named We Three, which is essentially Homeward Bound, except the bunny, the cat, and the rabbit are all partially mechs, and they you, you speak mentioned a bunny code. and a rabbit. Oh well, the cat and the and the rabbit, who is also a there, bunny. <laughs> isn't there a third animal? Also, did I not say a dog? No. Okay. Well, it's Homeward Bound. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. It's three issues, quick read, and I would love to see that adapted someday. It's been an adaptation hell for the better part of the century. Just need to get the team together from the Brave Little Toaster series and have them do We Three in the exact same animation style. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's right. the right animation style for We Three. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm, I can't wait for the disco, like, you know, the horrifying uh, horror-themed disco music at the center, the heart of We Three. You remember that disco? It's weird just reading the disco scene with like the rhyming lyrics and having it not come together. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they put music to for we for we three. Sage has muted himself in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what we three is. I just looked it up on Amazon. Ooh. Sam, is yes. there a place that you'd like to be followed on social media or any? Oh. You mean besides, um, hey, you mean besides your podcast, is is it still good? Is this still good, right? Yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, so. Doing great. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably the best guest you've ever had on. Um, yeah, so besides following Still Good Pod on Instagram, uh, you can also follow Sammy DeSura. If you're not completely annoyed with me by now, then you can go ahead and follow that too. So I'm really curious, as a groundling, what are theater and improv artists doing during quarantine? Like, when oh. can we see a groundling thing? What does that look like in this in this reality? Oh, my gosh. Well, it is slowly coming together. We are um, doing Joe shows. We have Crazy Uncle Joe show that we used to do every Wednesday at the theater. And that's a short form improv Um Actually, I'm so sorry. It's a long form improv, and we're we're doing that every Wednesday. Except recently, we're that was our last Wednesday of doing it every week. We're going to be doing it um, every other week, and then we are toying with the idea of bringing back our Thursday gas show. So we're doing a lot of Zoom improv, is what it looks like right now. And then there are some like people are shooting little sketches, and like we're doing like little at home uh, videos, and then we're. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. We meet all the time. We're always talking about what we're doing. So, yeah. But right now, yeah, theaters are who knows when we'll be back on the stage. Who knows? Move on to the internet. 
So we're yeah, you move on to the internet. You can buy tickets to our shows on Groundlings website. Um, they're about they run like eight dollars a show. If you're interested in watching some improv on Zoom, you do not hear laughter. It is a bizarre experience <laughs> for an actor improvising on Zoom because you have no idea if people are liking it or not. But it is fun to read the comments. Some people get really into it. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> In, any favorite comments? I'm I'm just curious what that is. That like the rest of the internet or? Yeah, like, <laughs> well, you know, on Zoom you have that chat function, but just a bunch um, of fire emojis. Yeah, well, one person was like, "This is lit," you know, like, <laughs> I mean, just comments like that, or someone will say, "Hello, whoa, that guy looks like Elon Musk's brother," and it's like, hmm. Or someone will say, wow, great show, guys. I have to go feed my cat. Got to go, but great show. And it like, will be 20 minutes in. I'm like, wow. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Things yeah. people would normally yell out at shows as they leave, correct? <laughs> <laughs> great show, guys. Got to feed my cat. But really keep up the good work, guys. Really great show. And that's like when that. you shit your pants and, and leave the stage. That's when I shit my pants because Deanna Oliver is directing and I got to shit my pants. Well, you can follow me at Gavin B. Murray uh, on most things. Yeah, I follow you, Gavin you can... B. Murray. <laughs> you guys should too. I, I'm not following I Sage, just though. I follow him sometimes. Well, you don't know yeah, where I live. creepy. What? I'm going to look <laughs> up Sage right I now. I follow oh, him. Here we are. Yeah. Sage, hold for plane. That's where you can follow Sage. Can I, can at I say that? hold for plane. That is, yeah, I mean, you just beat me by a couple seconds, so it's fine. Great. Well, I just started following you. Oh, you went to Sunken City. Yes. <laughs> That's what people know me for. That time I went to Sunken City. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And thank you, Sam, for being here. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Oh, is it done? Are we done? It's too late. We've got to operate. Just try to relax. It's the House of Wax. Wait, was that Definitely the Definitely where I'm going to cut the edit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Gavin says, gotcha next time. And then that's the end? I wow. think so. I was, I'm trying to remember how these end. Don't uh, you have like a song like, <laughs> like a, is this still good? Is it still good? Is it still good? Is it still good? One of those, well, right? Well, now we do. Well, you know what's great is now we do. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Gavin made a song where he was like. Bow, 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 oh, that, that's at the beginning, though. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Uh, maybe, maybe is it still good? Is it still good? Is it still good? Uh. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>